Well, hello there. It is good to see you again, and welcome back to Path to Abundant Living. I am your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff. It's great to be back with you all today, and as always, I'm joined by my guys. That's Mr. Matt Norman and Scott Morrison of Morrison Nordman Wealth Management, and we're going to be covering another, of course, wealth management-related discussion here on the show today, and throughout Matt and Scott's time at Morrison Nordman, they get asked a lot of questions, as you would imagine, from different clients and really surrounding a handful of different topics. And today what we thought would be beneficial to you guys, our audience, is to take a handful of those topics and do a deep dive into all of them. So today what we're gonna be doing is identifying seven things that you should be doing right now. These are timely topics, these are timely action items that you can address for you and yours and your financial world so that you can position yourself towards that path to abundant living that we talk so much about on this show. So we've got seven things that we're gonna be diving into today. The first one will kickstart our conversation. But before we get into that, of course, let's bring the guys out. Scott, Matt, it's good to see you guys this morning how we doing ryan good morning doing well scott great to see you as well how are you guys hey, doing ryan? hey matt good to be here yeah yeah it'll be good to be back with you guys uh we've got our work cut out for us seven big topics we're going to be diving into today first one here is a big one we've mentioned it a lot on past episodes this idea of powers of attorney again this is seven things you should be doing right now first one powers of attorney we've talked about it in past episodes why don't we a just set up what is or you know the powers of attorney but then also why it's so important that people should be addressing this right now matt i'll throw it over to you to get things started and then of course we'll just kind of open up the conversation sure sure sounds good so so with powers of attorney what you're doing is is you're allowing someone else in the event that you can't to step in and make decisions for you so there the two that, that we talk about a lot and is is medical powers of attorney and financial powers of attorney. And a lot of people know, oh boy, if something were to happen, you know, it would be nice if someone were able to step in. And so we see it a lot with clients who are maybe caring for their parents or older clients who are like, boy, if something were to happen to me, I want one of my kids or my kids to be able to to make those decisions for me, whether it's, whether it's again, medical or financial. And the reason you want to do that is legally, right. With all the in place, the, whether it's the hospital or medical facility is going to need uh, legal proof that says, yes, you can make decisions for this person. And so what a lot of people do is, oh, I get my estate plan done or should have some sort of an estate plan done. And that's where the the powers of attorney will come into play. And so so for us, I say myself, my wife and I, it's like, oh, we get the get the trust done and the powers of attorney. And you're like, oh, OK, well, a lot of people are like, well, I, I don't need that or whatever. And and one that's really big is for your kids when they turn 18. This is a really big one that a lot of people don't think about is, is having those powers of attorney for their kids. If they're going away, like maybe they get their first job and move out of the house or they go away to college and having that medical or financial power of attorney for them. Now, again, the likelihood of something occurring, probably pretty small, but it's more of that peace of mind of having that in place. Yeah, I would, sure. I would probably just, you know, expound on that with with the children in particular because we're so we're so geared towards taking care of somebody who 
is you know visibly needing your help i'm somebody that you would you would say hey i know that my elderly mom needs needs my help you don't typically think of an 18 year old uh needing that kind of help especially if they uh you know had to have decisions made for them so obviously it's a dire situation where an 18 year old can't make their own decisions uh if they're incapacitated in that way and so oftentimes that's the one that kind of sneaks under the the rug that we don't really catch so um yeah i think that mm -hmm. that one in particular uh is one that we are starting to ask a lot more questions about so one yeah one quick one quick story ryan is so have some friends who their their daughter went away to school and was having some some physical difficulties and the school's like we can't help you or getting you know we can't give you any information whatsoever and but their daughter was in you know physical distress and there was some big issues of and and they didn't have any legal recourse because their daughter's 18 years of age and so yeah that's that's tough yeah, it was very tough to, to watch him go through it. Sure. Well, let me ask you this, guys. I mean, <laughs> this is one of those that seems pretty darn important that we should be, uh, you know, it, it's not one that should fall on the back burner, but I get the sense that it kind of does for a lot of people. Do you find that in your conversations with clients or maybe just folks that you know out there at large, they're they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll get around to it or it's something that we plan to discuss. And it's like, well, hold on. You should be like, this is something you should be addressing right now. Is that a common thread or do you think people, most people are on top of this? Yeah, I, I, I personally think that, you know, that's why a discovery process is so important that you really don't leave anything to chance. You know, that you're asking that question uh, of your clients each time you meet. Uh, because if, if you just kind of assume uh, that, you know, they've taken care of their own estate planning uh, or the, of their own legal structures, whether it be with medical or, or financial powers of attorney, it's just natural not to think of a child being somebody that's going to need that kind of assistance. Uh, but Matt just described the perfect situation where, you know, these people were, were, you know, without any recourse, they had no way to help their daughter. And basically, all decisions were being left up to potentially a doctor uh, who's, you know, just the doctor obviously is going to try to do what's in the, the child's best interest. But uh, with those medical power of attorney, uh, then the parents certainly are going to be, you know, or can be a lot more involved. Yeah, we, we that's the one thing that when when talking with people, whether it's first time meeting them, I, I've I've told many people, hey, look, if if we never speak again, you know, going through the discovery process, and maybe it's not going to be a good fit, whatever. But I say, you know, if if you don't have these in place for yourself and you and your spouse, do that as well as if you have kids, have them do it as well. You know, if they're once they're eighteen, and we would, you know, we would challenge you, Ryan, if you know, if you and your family don't have it in place, I would make sure that you get it in place. Sure, sure. Absolutely. I've got my notepad here. I'm taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, guys, you know, it's kind of in, in the same way, taking care of that is, you know, maybe not in the same vein of the word an insurance policy for you and yourself and knowing that you have that peace of mind that we've, we've taken care of a pretty important item for us and our family. I, I do want to shift over to the idea of insurance policies. So, We've covered different insurance policy related conversations on the show, life insurance, you know, property insurance, you know, property casualty. But when it comes to the wide array of different insurances, what what do you guys see with regard to, you know, something people again, something 
this this whole episode is what you should be doing right now. Seven big things people should be doing right now. What do you see in in the realm of making sure the proper insurances are in place? I would I would Go first ahead. start I would first start with the idea that rather I would spin the I would spin the topic away from insurance and really start talking about what is it that you need to protect. Uh, and, and from both a personal standpoint, a business standpoint, because then obviously insurances could be a natural segue into that conversation of what do you need to protect? Because if it's your income, it certainly could be life insurance that you need. If it's, uh, you know, if it's the liability related to owning a home or, or uh, your car, you know, you want to make sure that you're obviously properly insured. But when it comes to a business, it might not necessarily mean insurance. It might mean having uh, the right the right legal structure for your business make sure you have you know the 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 LLC that that would protect uh, in the event of any liability to the business that it doesn't carry over to your own personal assets yeah so when <clears throat> excuse me is like Scott said first and foremost is determine okay what is it that you're trying to protect and insurance is which Scott and I have talked about this a lot is insurance is you are shifting the responsibility to someone else to help in the event that something occurs, right? So for, for pennies on the dollar, right? If you have to replace your home or your car or whatever, right? That's going to be a lot of money. Whereas if you pay the insurance premiums, you're covered. So first and foremost, figure out what needs to be protected, whether that's personally and or professionally, and then dive deep into each of those and, and talk with the insurance experts and really delve into what makes the most sense for you right? Do you need life insurance? Do you need, you know, the liability insurance? Do you need long-term care insurance? Do you need, you know, um, disability insurance? Like what are, the, there are so many different ways, right? And so it, it will give you peace of mind, kind of like having that, you know, powers of attorney in place. The insurance can give you peace of mind, but make sure that you're protecting what needs to be protected personally and professionally, first and mm -hmm. foremost. Well, Matt, you were just rattling off a handful of different insurances, and I think I think from uh, from the general uh, individual's perspective, it's like, oh gosh, there's so many insurances, there's so many you know roads to take in order to make sure I have my home. But I love that I love the way that you guys just articulated in that. Okay, what do you want to be protected from? You know, what what do you want protected? I, that's a better way to I think from the. Um, from the layman's perspective to identify their insurance needs as opposed to, oh. okay, what do I have again? I have a car, I have a boat, you know, going through their yeah. assets and thinking about it that way. I, I like that perspective. That's good. So um, one, one quick yeah, example, yeah, right? So you see a lot of people who want to diversify their portfolio. And so they will get into rental properties. And so one thing that they'll do, we've seen this a lot and help people navigate through this is they're like, oh, I'm going to pick up these one, two, three, four rental properties and they put them in their own name. Well, when you put those in your own name, well, now all of a sudden you have just opened up any liability that happens at that rental property to anything that's titled the same way. So, right. So if it's in your name and this is in your name, well, guess what? All of it's opened up to a potential unjust lawsuit. Well, and then the other thing is, so now you've created this LLC, which now you've insured, now you've insured it properly. Well, have have you named your LLC on that 
insurance policy. So if you haven't named the LLC on the, so there's so much that goes into it. So again, first figure out what you want protected or needs to be protected and then go from there. Well, yeah. And the way you're obviously doing that whole process, we're going to determine how, you know, where you're at in your financial life in terms of your ability to self-insure. And as Matt had said before, you know, what is really insurance about? Insurance isn't about, isn't about making a, a, a state larger or, or, uh, or make your financial situation better. It's, it's about making you whole in the event of a loss. So, uh, you know, if you have, if you have the assets and this is going to happen over the course of your lifetime, you may end up developing uh, less and less need for uh, life insurance, let's say, because uh, you, you've been able to save successfully enough that now you've replaced that, that you've, you've mitigated that risk, so to speak. Uh, and maybe the insurances that you need are no longer needed for income, but they might need, be needed for now estate planning reasons. Uh, so just understanding too, that in each of these situations, once you, know, once you have some of those things in place, that's not the end all be all and that it's going to be a fluid situation as you need to change over your lifetime. And one, sure. one quick thing about that, you know, Scott started talking about, well, now you start looking at estate planning, right? There's so many aspects that go into using or adjusting your insurance, depending on your estate plan. And then you start looking at, okay, do you start using irrevocable life insurance trust, or there, there are so many different things. And, and a lot of people hear the word insurance and you can see the, the eyes gloss over and like, ah, oh, I don't want to talk about insurance. Right. And again, it's the right. starting with, okay, let's look at the bigger picture. Like Scott was saying, what's the big picture here? What are you trying to protect? What are you trying to achieve? And then use the tools that are available. Sure. So the bottom line, this point here uh, with insurance, I mean, yes, it's a complicated discussion. There's a lot of elements at play. So this is a discussion that you should have with your wealth manager, go through, go through that process and identify, yeah, where are your pain points? What do you want to have coverage for? Uh, all right, guys, moving to our third item here on these seven things you should know, uh, or you should do right now. We've heard, you know, I personally, I've heard this idea of pay yourself you know, pay yourself first, uh, you know, primarily it's usually, I, I want to say it's, it's, it's used more in the language with business owners themselves, but, uh, I would like to get your take on this idea of pay yourself first. What does this mean and why should people really be doing it right now? Well, I think, I think I, I first think back to when I had that first conversation with my kids, when they got, you know, to the age where they were starting their first careers and and had a little bit of money in their pocket and it wasn't just you know uh, dad throwing a few bucks to go to the movies with and then they actually had to make decisions about you know what they're going to do uh, with their income and as soon as you have a little bit of money in your pocket the first things you think about in terms of you know especially as a young person is that independence you know get that car get that get that house uh you know, and, and what I try to encourage my kids to, to look at is say, you know, pay yourself first, decide what you're going to save first, work, work down from there so that at the end, whatever's left is what kind of car you can afford, what kind of home you can own. Uh, and so I think when we talk about pay yourself first, we're really talking about, you know, first looking at those things like your employer plans that have matching, uh, you know, matching funds that are available, that's free money. Uh, you want to make sure that you're getting out ahead of, uh, 
you know, that savings plan, because we just got done talking about insurances and things where, you know, insuring yourself when you don't have the assets to protect yourself with, the whole goal is to get to a place where you've got the kind of assets that don't necessarily need to have that much insurance. And, you know, the idea that when you're paying yourself, you're building, you know, the proverbial nest egg, well, what's the nest egg supposed to do? Is supposed to create passive income. We all, we all have a, a pretty good understanding of what uh, you know the direct income is. We have to trade time for money. We have to go to we have to go to a job. We have to uh, to work for that. But ultimately, as we kind of talk later about what we want life to ultimately be like, uh, once we've you know worked hard and saved saved well, uh, you know once we've had that that kind of lifestyle we want to have, well, there better be the passive income that supports that. So passive income does not come without saving first. You know, Ryan, for the, which I, you know, two things. One, Scott talks about passive income. We we love pigs, passive income generators. And we could spend a whole lot of time talking about pigs, but, you know, you know, for the first 18 to 22 years of our lives, we are, you know, I like to use the term, we're an employee, quote unquote, it's the best job you can have because you get housing and food and a lot of times transportation at very little cost to you. Well, then like Scott's saying, now all of a sudden you're 18, you get your first job, or maybe you go to school and then you get your first job. Now you got, you know, this pile of cash in your pocket. You're like, holy moly. I'm new car, new clothes, travel, whatever the case may be. And so, you know, love that, you know, Scott was saying is like, you know, figure out, you know, pay yourself first, put money away first, get the matching from the 401k. If you're the business owner, make sure that you're, you know, taking advantage of whether it's different retirement plans or ways that you can put away cash pre-tax mm -hmm. and paying yourself first. Again, there's there's the personal as well as the business side of things that, you know, paying yourself first and yeah. and then generating those passive income generators so that down the road, you know, make your money work for you. Well, that's what those pigs are. Sure, sure. And yeah, it sounds to me can... not only is it like uh, pay yourself, whether it's yourself or your business, but there's also the timing of it. It's pay your pay yourself your future self that is so that you're yeah. setting your future self up for success scott uh, did you have anything else you want to chime in well i just think so, so many people think of you know the investments uh you know being that that way to start to save and obviously there's a lot of different ways to create passive income besides just investing investing is what's going to uh build a essentially a savings account with some vehicle other than uh a CD uh, or a money market at the bank, you know, you may be using stocks, bonds, mutual funds, you know, exchange traded funds that you, you name it, there's a whole, uh, there's a whole world of investment products. But when you start thinking about, okay, like Matt had alluded to earlier, the, the pat the, the classic passive income generator is if somebody buys some income producing real estate, and then with developing that is able to then buy another piece of property and then buy another piece of property and that income starts to come in while you're, you know, essentially, you know, sleeping, there's, there's money coming in. That's the kind of passive generator that you're kind of looking for. So whether it's happening with your investments or whether it's happening, you know, with a, uh, with a business, uh, franchise, whatever it could be, the idea being that that passive income generator is, is, is only, uh, 
a result if you've paid yourself first in some fashion or other, whether it be through the investment or or even taking on debt. I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about that. I mean, there's there's ways to take on debt in the purpose of buying a business to create a passive you know a passive income. Yeah, when when I was looking at the the list this morning, guys, I, I'm excited to to dive into that one. Uh, but before we get to talking about debt, there, Scott. I want to circle back to and hit our, our fifth item on this list of seven things people should be doing right now. And that fifth item is this idea of having an end goal in mind. Now, I know you guys know because we've been doing it on the show. In fact, I think we spent a whole episode talking about goal setting and the right way to go about goal setting so that you can achieve the desired results. I mean, how many times in our lives have we made a goal, you know, and it's and, and you mean it too. You want to get it and you want to achieve it. But it just feels like it, there's a mountain in front of you, and and by chipping away at it, you'll never get there. So, so talk to me about this idea of having an end goal in mind and why it's important and why people should be doing it right now. You know, Scott was talking about having these passive income generators. Well, if if that's what you want, and that's where you're envisioning, okay, I want that, I want that mailbox money where while I'm sleeping, money's still being generated. Well, you have to have a plan. But but you need to know where is it that you want to be? And that's part of one of the things that we get into with the discovery meeting and then the regular progress meetings is, okay, like Scott was saying, things change, right? Your life changes. So where do you want to be, you know, down the road? What is kind of that in where you envision that that end stage, which knowing that end stage is going to change. And 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 like you're saying, Ryan, there, there's going to be, obstacles in the way but focus on the gains that you're making toward that goal but but know hey here's where i'm trying to get to and maybe sometimes you need someone to challenge you to say okay ryan where do you really want to be is this is this the spot you want to be you know and and have someone go through with you and ask you a lot of good questions of okay is is the goal to be have a place down south or i like to travel the world or I want to spend time with my grandkids or create this epic memory for my family. You know, what's the goal, right? Yep. I think that one of the most difficult things about setting a goal, especially if we're talking about setting up one that's so far down the road, if we're talking about retirement, what's retirement going to look like 30 years from now? You know, it's hard sometimes for a a 25 or 30 year old to think, uh, you know, that far down the road. And so, one of the things about setting a goal in that regard is it has to be measurable. It has to be something that you can be accountable to because so oftentimes we set a goal. And as you mentioned, Brian, you get frustrated because it becomes so overwhelming because you don't, you don't assess it incrementally. You don't kind of take a, uh, do that review uh, along the way to say, okay, am I heading in that direction? If I'm not heading in that direction, what got in the way or what's in the way? Uh, how do you hold yourself accountable? Uh, yeah. Because I think if if it's not measurable and you can't you can't be accountable for it, you're gonna be you're gonna get very frustrated because it's not magically gonna happen. You sure, get, sure. You get focused on the day to day, and it's hard to take a step back and see that big picture and realize that you know you're you're trying to get you know that journey of a thousand steps, right? Well, you've already taken you know three hundred of those steps, but everyone has been just the slog, right? And you can't see that you've made a lot of progress. And like Scott said, if if you're measuring the progress along the way, you can say, oh, 
look how far you've actually come. Yeah, you still got a ways to go, but you've made a lot of progress in that. And so measuring in along the way, like Scott was saying, and 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 really having someone walk alongside with you is really, really helpful. There, that's yeah, yeah. the key right there, guys. I don't know about you guys, but boy, whether it's like get making sure I get out of bed and get to the gym or like doing these things that I don't necessarily want to do, but I got to get, it helps so much for me personally to have somebody else to help hold me accountable, you know, somebody to lean on some sort of guide, uh, better yet, even if it's somebody who has maybe even achieved that goal and they know what they're talking about, they've done this challenge and they've succeeded and they know what it takes. So, uh, having that, that person to walk that path with you and help hold you accountable, I know is really, really key for me uh, in achieving some of my goals. So to that end, if somebody has a end goal of mine, like you said, Matt, whether it's that house down South, you know, to travel the world at some point in their life, who, who, who's a good person to help them down that, that road. That's a great question. So a lot of times it can be uh, a significant other, a really good friend, or it's a professional in your life, right? So from the when looking at if you're a business owner or, you know, you're the the family member who's kind of, you know, in charge of the, the financial aspect of life, it's like having someone that you can go to, whether it is, you know, your, your financial advisor, wealth manager, or a, a friend where you can say, okay, here's what we're trying to, you know, and you hear the, write it down, talk with somebody, you know, if, if you really talk with somebody about it and have someone who's willing to challenge you to achieve that goal, right? But it's it's someone that you know that you can have really good, open, honest conversations with of, hey, we're doing great or hey, we're we're struggling here and what's what's the reason that we're struggling and how do we how do we move past that because there's like you said, right? There's going to be obstacles in in the path, what whatever it is. And so, okay, how do you you have someone there that can help at times motivate you, at times push you, at times challenge you. And it's someone, you know, that you trust that has your best interests at heart. We have, you know, even in our own practice, Matt and I have our own coaches. Uh, we have a coaching program that we participate in where, you know, we can, I can tell when, I'm, when we're excited about going into a meeting with them because we're ready to address all of the steps that we've taken. We're ready to, because we've set some goals, we've set some, you know, some, some tasks and some action steps, and we can go in and, and say, yes, we've, we've done those things. I can also tell when we're not ready for that meeting. Uh, there's a little bit of anxiety because we're getting ready to talk to the coach who's going to ask us about if we took those steps. They're going to ask us to assess, are we, are we where we were said we were going to be? So, you know, some of that, that anxiety is what you need when somebody's holding you accountable. Mm -hmm. Couldn't agree more guys. This is, this is good stuff. And again, for any folks out there that want a deeper dive into goal setting, we did a whole episode talking about the power of effective goal setting. I'd recommend heading back and checking that out because that was, that was a really good one on this topic. Guys, I, I want to get back to what, uh, you know, a point that Scott made earlier about this idea of debt and analyzing debt. So number five on our list of these seven things that people should be doing right now is this idea of a debt analysis. And that's for the good debt or the bad debt that exists in your life. Scott, do you want to tee this one up? Cause you did make a, a mention to it earlier, but what, why should somebody be doing this assessment? Of course, you want to know what debt 
exist in your life, but let's, let's get right. into the weeds of it. Why, why do you want to do this analysis so that it has these, uh, you know, well, yeah, I think a lot result. of it's because people get caught up in the idea that, you know, all debt is bad. Um, sure, I think sure. they're surprised sometimes when we have conversations about, about debt and that they expect the first thing we tell them is, oh, you have to get rid of debt. Uh, there's no question that if it's bad debt, you need to, you know, like high interest rate credit cards that, that you're, you know, 27%, 27%. Yeah. And you don't, you don't have the income to even make the minimum payment. Now we're, now we're in trouble. Uh, but if we're talking about, you know, buying a business, that's going to create that, that, that passive income that we were talking about earlier, then you have to make a calculate. There's a calculated risk involved in borrowing money smartly so that at least that the the income that 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 whatever that debt you know created if it was a business well that income if it's outperforming the rate of that debt well then that that's what we would determine to be good debt uh, it's something that certainly you want to uh, hopefully get rid of but if you're being really successful it might even mean taking on more but more and more debt as you uh, develop your business yeah so Scott can agree with this so we had. Years ago, we had a third partner. Well, he went to do full-time mission work. And so, but we had to buy out his share of the business. And so you look at that and say, wow, you're going to go into debt to buy out. Well, then you look at the long-term and say, okay, is it financially wise to do that? Well, yeah. And then you, you look at, okay, some people live their life leveraged, meaning just borrowing as much money to do all the things that they want to do, knowing that, okay, I'm leveraged this way, but what I'm using those funds for is going to increase in greater value than what it's going to cost to pay down the debt. And so debt necessarily isn't good or bad, like Scott was saying, unless it's that, you know, 27 to 30% interest rate credit card or things of that nature. But it's not necessarily good or bad. It's how does it affect you? And, and does it is it a smart decision with your money? Mm -hmm. no, the, I think that's the, a fundamental difference. Sorry, go ahead, Scott. No, I was going to say one of the things that you know we're we're finding ourselves talking about more now with with uh, you know the Fed, uh, the aggressive Fed policy with ten different rate increases over the last uh, year and a half is obviously mortgage rates are much higher. So we're having those we're having conversations with clients that are a little bit different than when we were able to go out and get a a mortgage for three point eight percent. Okay. So when people are asking about back then paying off their mortgage, uh, we would question whether, you know, they're saying, well, I've got this much uh, extra in my investment that's, you know, been averaging eight to 10%. Shouldn't I take this out and pay off this mortgage? Well, we all like to feel debt free, but you've got to ask yourself a question. You know, do you want to take out of a pot of uh, an asset that's, that's earning you 10% to pay off something that's making 3%? Or the, I'm sorry, that the debt, you know, the debt on the the drag on it uh, is three percent. So, but today that that conversation is totally different. Now somebody's looking at buying a home that could have a five six, you know, push seven percent mortgage rate, and now you've got to say, okay, now what kind of planning do we need to do if we have this kind of rate to contend with in the long term? So all that. Yeah. Just one one more thing about that, Ryan. All that being said, when you when you look at debt, we can we can come at it with all the logic in the world, 
right? And like Scott was saying, well, hey, if you're if your mortgage is two and a half, three, and you can earn greater than that, you know, over the time, then the smart decision would be okay, don't pay off that particular debt. But by the same token, you have the emotional side that plays into money, whether it's on your personal or business side, saying just some people are like, I don't want debt. I hear what you're saying, I understand what you're saying, but I don't like debt. And so, okay, then you have those conversations say, okay, how do we address that? What's the smart decision in your situation to make you feel most comfortable with with what it is you're trying to achieve? Yeah, Matt, I like that you, I appreciate you mentioning that because yes, I mean, money is emotional. I mean, we've talked about that on episodes. There's, we all have an emotional connection to money and sure, if you have all the money in the world, but you have all this debt as well, and maybe it's good or maybe it's bad debt, but either way, that debt could make you not feel great about all the money in the world that you have along with all the opportunity in the world that you have with via that money. So I'm one, glad you mentioned that. Yeah, I'm one, glad you mentioned that. One quick question or one, well, I'll ask you, Ryan, have you ever met anyone who was upset that their house was paid off. You know, can't say I have. <laughs> right? can't say I have. So, so you kind of balance it out, right? And say, okay, right. does it make sense? And, and they're like, yeah, my mortgage is two and a half and I refinance, but I really want to get my house paid off. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. You, you can't argue with someone who says my house is paid off and I don't have to worry about that anymore. So that's true. No, good point. Good point. Guys, uh, last two points here on our list for the seven things people should be doing right now are a little bit more um, intangible, if you will, uh, of, of a concept. It's, you know, it's about thinking about your financial world as a whole. First of, you know, number six on our list, this idea of, of identifying your legacy. You know, we've talked about legacy planning, the importance of legacy among business owners that maybe are going through succession planning efforts or exit planning efforts. And, and legacy isn't just this lofty idea, I think, that a lot of people can think that it is. Oh, it's my legacy. What do I want when I'm gone? Until they're like in that moment, you know, you're later in your life, you're you're on the cusp of retirement, maybe you're deep into retirement. Uh, I feel like legacy personally, this maybe you guys have a different thought, is one of those things that people don't start thinking about until until it not that it's too late to start thinking about, but uh Maybe. <laughs> so give me give me your two cents on this idea of and the importance of identifying your legacy and why people should be thinking about it right now, even if they're not in the throes of retirement or right on the cusp of it. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll start. So so with legacy, what most people think is, oh, I'm going to put my name on a building at the university. That's not what it's about. I mean, that might be what it's about, but it's it's really about, you know, you have achieved something in life. And whether it's you've built a business or not, or you worked at a career for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, but you've reached a level where now it's okay. And it, and it doesn't have to be at the end of that. Like you said, Ryan, it's never, never too early and never too late to, to start thinking about what is that next step for your family and or your legacy, right? Where whether you have kids or not, or you want to have that impact in your community, right? Most people won't, and your kids probably wouldn't know what is your why? Why did you do all the stuff that you did? And it's, and it's having conversations. You don't necessarily need to tell your kids or your beneficiaries of the charity of, oh, this is the number, right? But it's having the conversation of, this is why we did what we did. And this is what we would like to see happen. Because you can put in a ton of legal 
structure around it that says, you know, personally, it's like, okay, my kids at this age get this, and at this age, you get a little more, and if it, and then they get the remainder of it. Well, if they don't know why you, you know, were on the road, Scott, to Youngstown, Ohio, three, four nights a week, right? Right. Seeing clients and doing all that kind of stuff. It's like, but if they don't know why, you know, by the second or third generation, if you haven't planned for it, then you'll see, okay, there, there's no connection to that why. And it can go away. So it's it's having discussions with them and helping prepare them for whether that might be if they're able to get, you know, 50 to 100,000 or millions of dollars. Right. I mean, you give a you give a 20 year old 100 grand. Are they thinking about the long term? Or are they thinking about new car trip to Cancun with my friends? Right? Yeah, I think a lot behind, what's behind that legacy is sometimes we think about legacy. And the first thing we think about is what's going to happen after death. Um, I like to think of legacy starting, uh, you know, I've, I've tried to set a model for my kids. Um, I think that's the first step of the legacy and it's happening right now. You know, you're, you're trying to establish that relationship with your kids that this is what dad's all about. Um, and, and, you know, what mom's all about and what we as parents would love for you, um, how we can support you and all that and start developing not only our legacy, but what's your purpose in life and how's, how's everything that we've done and the hard work and the, uh, the financial, uh, uh, well-being that we have, how does that enter into the equation of, you know, carrying on a legacy or creating one? Um, you know, it, I think, uh, at retirement time, for example, you might not be going to, to work every day, but you certainly may be talking about how you're going to use your wealth, whether it be through philanthropy or foundations, uh, charities, that kind of thing. Or it might be simply to say, you know what, I'm going to start, I'm going to start shifting some of these assets to my kids. I'm going to give you some money, son. Uh, and talking, having, you know, a discussion about what, what is the purpose of this money? What's money mean to you? What, what have I taught you about money? Uh, you know, those are the kind of discussions that we're talking about when it comes to legacy. Sorry, one, one quick story. So we had a, a client who um, he was getting near the end. Well, when we first met him, right, it was he had, he had received an inheritance from his parents, came from a big family. And one of his goals was, I want to make sure that I leave to my five kids at least as much as that was left to me. Right. And we're like, that's a great goal. And so we got there and we got towards the end. But he had some meetings with family, but not enough to the point where fast forward now, almost 10 years later, and of of his five kids, two of them still have the money that they had received because he was able to leave more than what he had been given. But the other three of those five kids, they they blew it all. It's all gone. Like there's nothing to show for it. And so there wasn't a, there were some discussions, but but not enough. And and sometimes it takes bringing in a facilitator to help who's, uh, for lack of a better term, a disinterested third party to have those discussions with family members so that in the end, everybody understands, well, what did mom want? What did dad want? What was the, you know, what was their why? And, and how do we honor them with their legacy? going forward. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned the third party facilitator to help in that process, because that is that, that is a tough conversation and set of conversations to have for a matriarch and patriarch to talk about, you know, life after they're gone and sit their kids down. I mean, it takes real effort to go through that and not just once, but ongoing with their kids so that, yes, their their plans and their hopes and their their for their future and their legacy is adequately conveyed and and guys in, in your in your experiences do you find that when families maybe do utilize that third-party facilitator in let's say their wealth manager uh that that the results might be there a little more or or let's just say the conversation gets through to the you know the the inheritors more yeah well guilt is a great motivator right in some cases you know i think if we're talking about the kind of wealth that's generational, where you know the the children, the 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 heirs are going to have more than enough to live an abundant lifestyle, and the the benefactor is a little bit concerned about you know the excess wealth. Well, that's when you that's when you really need to start bringing in the, not only a facilitator but probably have legal structure as well that ensures that something you may have already established, not something that, you know, is, is is out there, you know, just floating around as an idea, but if there's actually foundations or charities or things that are existing because of what you do, um, you want to make sure that those go on in perpetuity. So maybe you need to have the kind of legal structure around it that protects from the, uh, the air that didn't quite get the message. <laughs> that's a, that's a really good way to put it right it's the it's the warren buffett right because he is not leaving his massive wealth 100 percent to his kids right he is and i'm going to paraphrase it's i want to i want to leave them enough that they believe they can do anything but not so much that they'll do nothing right if you give a you know 25 35 even 40 year old you know five or ten million dollars their motivation may change from getting up and going to work every day. Right. And so it's, it's having those discussions with the family. Again, they don't necessarily need to know the number. You can share the numbers with them, but you know, having them understand the why and what it is you would like to see kind of that, that family mission statement or, you know, the, the family governance and, and what it is that the family wants to achieve. Sure. No, guys, this is good. Uh, let's shift now to our, our final one. And, and rather than looking at, be, you know, beyond kind of your when you're gone, the legacy, let's look at the present, you know, your life. We always talk on this show, uh, uh, you know, about living this, you know, amazing life of significance. You know, heck, it's in the, the show name, Path to Abundant Living. Talk to me about this idea of that amazing life of significance, what people can be doing right now to position themselves towards that amazing life of significance so that when when it is time to hang their hat up at the end of their life, they can look back with a smile. You know, what, what could they be doing right now to make sure that they do smile at the end of it all. So sit down. If you're, if you have a significant other, the two of you kind of look at what is that life that if you said, okay, which we know it's not a perfect world, but if we could have this, and if you don't have a significant other, just take time on your own, you know, get, get away from the day-to-day -day busyness of everything that's happening and sit down and say, okay, if I were to look at, if I could have 
the most amazing life that I could possibly envision. What does that look like? And you may never get to that, you know, it's, you know, reach for the stars and all the cliche, but really say, okay, Ryan, what is it that you really want? You know, what do you and Julie really want to do in life and the things that you want to achieve and the places you want to go and, and the, the charities and the community you want to impact and saying, okay, let's then engineer backwards. What do we need to do to get there? And all, you know, the things that we've talked about today are going to be, you know, big steps in getting you to that point. Yeah, I think too that, you know, having a, an understanding of what your capacity is financially. I mean, obviously, if, you know, we're, if I'm sitting down with two, uh, a husband and wife, and they're both uh, public school teachers, we're not going to have conversations about the foundation that necessarily they're going to start 30 years from now, unless there's some significant inheritances. Uh, so, you know, identifying what's abundance to them. Well, abundance to them might be, you know, something totally different. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be wealth, but if, you know, as an advisor, as an advisor, you know, I want to know intimately what's most important to them about their lifestyle and what it is they're trying to do for their families, their kids or communities. And uh, if, if it means that abundance to them is, um, you know, being able to take a vacation once a year, then that's, that's what we're going to work toward. Yeah, exactly. Like Scott said, there's it, what someone else's amazing life is doesn't necessarily need to be yours. I spoke with someone yesterday and they're like, with everything that's gone on in the last few years, and they're seriously considering retiring from what it is that they're currently doing to take a part-time job doing something that they love doing because they realize I don't need a lot of stuff in my life. I don't need to make the level of income that I'm currently at. And so what really is important is spending more time with family, with with her sister and with her kids and with her grandkids. Like that's what's most important. Okay, well then let's work toward how you can achieve that. Yeah, Matt, I like the comment you made at the very beginning of this, all uh, of talking about a life of significance is, is get away to start thinking about this because this is a deep thought process when you're like thinking about what what you want your life to be i mean this isn't just something that you're you, you know you bang out over a quick five minute right. cup of coffee or something yeah. you know this is this is a deep conversation with your spouse or your partner this is a deep conversation with yourself and and if you want to identify what your ideal future that life of significance looks like it takes a little disconnecting and i can totally understand you know that that story you just shared of the individual that would want to move towards a part time because a they love the work b they get the family time you know it's checking a lot of boxes for them mm -hmm. and it can sustain their lifestyle so it's it's finding that sweet spot of of what works for you from a logistical standpoint and then what is desirable I think for you from from a lifestyle standpoint. So a lot, lot of good stuff. And, and guys, look, I mean, we just covered seven things here today. I mean, there's a laundry list of things that people can be doing right now when it comes to their, their financial world. But with these seven things, I'll rattle them off again. We talked about the powers of attorney. We talked about proper insurances, the idea of paying yourself first, uh, having that end goal in mind, uh, assessing your debt, both the good and the bad debt, making decisions based on that debt. Uh, six being identifying your legacy. And then of course we rounded it out here with uh, this amazing life of significance concept. 
fellas, for, for any of our audience members out there that, you know, one of these top, I'm sure there were many topics here that resonated with them, but if there was one in particular where they're like, mm, you know, I really should talk to somebody about this uh, and, and just open up a dialogue, what would be the best way they could get in touch with you and your team just to, just to open up that conversation, just to, just to start getting some feedback and maybe go to a realm of conversation they haven't necessarily had the chance to do yet. Well, how can they get in touch with you guys? Sure, Ryan. The traditional way, pick up the phone, 517-333-7967, or go to the website, morrisonnordman.com. Click on, there's a link. You can request more information. We can set up a, a get-to-know-you call, spend you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, and figure out, okay, what's the next best step after having that conversation? Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, I appreciate you both and your time. We'll let you get back to serving your clients and doing what you do best, but uh, looking forward to being back on the next one. I think we've given, uh, we've given a lot of uh, considerations for our audience today. This is a good one. So thanks. And uh, I'll see you soon. All right, Ryan. See you. Great day great to you and Scott. We'll see you soon. All right. Have a great day. All right. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. And hey, guys, we want to take one final moment, as always, of course, and say thank you to the audience for stopping by and being with us on the show. As always, if you did take something away from today's discussion, well, make sure you subscribe then to the show on whichever platform you checked us out on today. That way you never miss out on another great episode. And you can always travel back and check out prior episodes where Scott, Matt, and I, we dive into these deep wealth management topics so that you and yours come out better for it on the other side and really have some considerations for your own financial world. Before Scott and Matt, I'm Ryan. We're going to go ahead and say so long now, but we appreciate you stopping by and being with us on Path to Abundant Living. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors. Morrison, Norman & Associates and Securities America are separate entities. All investing involves risk, including the possible risk of principal.